Hey y'all, this is Mel Offlerbach, and you're listening to Season 3 of Green Juice and Tequila. Hello y'all, thank you so much for listening in to another episode of Green Juice and Tequila, and we're launching off Season 3, which I'm super excited about, and i I think most of y'all know that, you know, my background in the yoga industry has played a huge part of my life and I have lots of influences and people that have inspired me over the years. So I'm like extremely excited to introduce this next guest because she has just completely influenced my yoga community and I'm sure many of others who are in that type of community. And I have the beautiful Tiffany Krushank. Um, she is the founder of Yoga Medicine. And this Yoga Medicine, y'all, is a community of experienced yoga teachers focusing on fusing anatomy and Western medicine together. Um, she leads multiple yoga retreats under Yoga Medicine um, training. She teaches. It's a pretty phenomenal and extravagant uh, training, in my opinion. I've taken a couple of those. Um, Tiffany also is an acupuncturist. She's got a Chinese medicine background. She's the founder of a nonprofit called Yoga Medicine Seva Foundation, and she's also a author of two different books, which I've owned both of those as well, and has been featured in about 15 different magazine covers. So holy moly, I can't even take a breath right now. That was a huge introduction. I'm so grateful you're on today. Thank you so much for being here, Tiffany. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yay. So Tiffany, I would love for people to kind of have an understanding of your story leading up to building this organization, Yoga Medicine, like where, like what struck the chord with Chinese medicine and yoga and fusing those worlds together? Oh gosh, that's, um, where do I begin? I know. Um, <laughs> like everyone, right? Yeah. There's so many layers of our stories. Um, well, I think the, the quick version is when I was a teenager, I, I struggled a lot in my early teens. I think as, as many people did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, for me, it was kind of the searching and, and, and trying to find some, some meaning probably and purpose, though I don't know that I knew it then. Um, and then my parents sent me off. I, I, I searched all around. I actually got really into, my parents are very Christian conservative and I got really into Christianity and, um, and was exploring that a lot. And then I kind of flipped the other way and I was, I was teased a lot as a kid and I, I, kind of flipped and became a troublemaker. And my parents sent me off on a wilderness program that really completely changed my life. Oh my gosh. Um, There was a guy who was an herbalist on the program, lucky for me, one of our, what what they called trail walkers. And he would take me out on plant walks. He was so excited. I remember just have someone interested. (laughs) And I think as a teenager, a big part of it was just so empowering, learning how to survive was a big part of it, but then learning how to use um, plants as medicine and being able to find all of what I needed in the environment around me. And, uh, soon after I came home, I, I, there were, there was no internet at the time. And so I saw this little wooden sign that said yoga and a phone number and eventually remembered it and started going to. And I think for me, the two really go hand in hand as being these resources both mm-hmm. within and around us of really being able to influence our biology and our mind and our spirit and and so many different facets of ourselves and so i think it's just been an infatuation of mine ever since of of learning and and gosh many evolutions since <laughs> oh my gosh that is like incredible to be able to be subjected to that at such a young age and your parents sending you off to like a wilderness camp was like to break you down to, I could never imagine you being a troublemaker. <laughs> I was like that too, I though. A lot of energy. And, you know, I was very athletic young, but I also was, was diagnosed at some point with ADD. Too. Oh yeah. And so I had all this energy and I think oh, I just gosh. really needed something to focus it on. Yeah. <laughs> and when I that, it was like, <laughs> just straightforward. Okay. I, this is what we're doing. 
As you're saying that, I'm thinking like, okay, so my daughter, Chloe, sounds really similar to this. Maybe I need to (laughs) put her into some wilderness camp to break down her ADD energy. So it's true because I think, I mean, we have teenagers now too. And it's, I I really think I have to keep remembering that. Like, I think the people who, who test us the most, the kids who test us the most as parents are often the ones doing really interesting things and paving new ways. I mean, not that, not that the other children aren't potentially going to do that too, but I do think, yeah, I mean, I was definitely pushing boundaries and, you know, testing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love it. Well, so, okay. So you got introduced to this at a, at a really young age. And then what was kind of that next step moving forward into whatever organization, whether that was going to school for acupuncturist or you decided that you're like, I'm going to do a yoga training. Like what, when did the light switch go off for you? So I was 14 when I started, when all that happened, um, <laughs> really early. And then I was just so excited about it that I actually finished up high school really quickly and went off to college at 16. Oh, wow. I did my pre-med undergrad in medicinal plant biology. Uh, so I did my four years in uh, pre-med and then four years of Chinese medicine school. So uh, actually when I was in my undergrad at University of Arizona, um, I found, uh, I was teaching yoga. So when I went off to, to college at 16, there really wasn't a lot of yoga. So I went on my summer break and became a teacher oh my gosh. <laughs> and started teaching. And, um, and then when I was teaching in, in Tucson, uh, I think it was 98 or something like that. Uh, I met an acupuncturist at one of the studios I taught at, and he was also a Zen monk and he didn't actually really do yoga, but he, he, his office was in the yoga studio. And so I actually started apprenticing with him. I actually made an actual course of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, yeah, so I got to apprentice with him and just fell in love with Chinese medicine. For me, I was looking at, I looked a little bit at Western medicine, but I, I really wanted more holistic. So mm-hmm. I was looking at naturopathic and Ayurvedic and Chinese. And for me, once I started diving into Chinese medicine, it just felt like it fit. It made sense to me. Um, it was deep and layered and there was so much intricacy to it, but it also, which, which also left a lot of room for the individuality, which is so important, you know, that, you know, everyone with headaches is, is so different. Everyone with, you know, digestive issues is so different. Everyone with, you know, back pain is so different. And so, um, it really made sense to me to be able to really individualize it and work with the person in front of me, um, which was really cool because in, in, in my experience with herbal medicine up until that point, it was, it was less of that complexity and individuality than I had experienced in Chinese medicine. And, and the herbs there are very intricate and you make formulas for each, each patient. There's no, you don't just give one herb. Yeah, That's intense. That's a lot. No. That's a lot of schooling to be able to, cause I think like traditional medical, um, education, like you have these very specific, you know, medications that you're studying about, but like with medicine and in the Chinese culture, it's like, I mean, I'll, I'll go buy like a cold remedy and I, I can't even pronounce all the words. There's like 10 different things <laughs> into it. So I can't imagine having to like build little tinctures, um, which honestly I think makes Chinese medicine more attractive to the person who's feels individualized a little bit more. Like, yeah. you know, I have all these problems and instead of getting prescribed this one thing that might help f- you know, two of the five of those problems, you're creating something that's more tailored <laughs> to the patient. So that's pretty incredible. That was one thing that I was super impressed when I first um, became to know of all of your offerings when I went to San Francisco and did the yoga journal conference, went with a couple girlfriends of mine. And um, we were just like these yogis who were super excited to just be able to take a, you know, shit ton of classes and, you know, absorb from all these cool teachers and I had done your weekend Chinese medicine intro and remembered hearing your background and your story. I'm like, this girl's seriously legit. Like, I'm totally going to like listen to everything she's telling me to do. And I will never forget that like first, I don't know, hour of your lecture. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm my, my head is spinning right now. But by the end of the weekend, everything had clicked. Like you just had taught it so, so well. So I remember hearing your story when you had said you had started college at like 16. I'm like, that is incredible. That's so great. So 
what really got you into wanting to create yoga medicine then? So how many years were you into acupuncture and teaching yoga that you decided to create a brand around this and a business? Yeah, it was actually pretty early. So when I when I graduated, literally the next day I had my clinic open in Portland and was seeing patients. And a lot of my patients were yoga students because I was still teaching a lot of classes. And um, <clears throat> and so I just noticed really quickly that my patients who were yoga students seemed to respond so much more quickly to my treatments. Um, and so I started giving what I called yoga prescriptions to my non-yoga yeah. <laughs> patients. And um, it, it just was so beneficial. And for me, I think a big part of it too was I've, I've always wanted to be a practitioner that empowered other people to make the best of their own lives rather than be someone they became dependent on and just kind of milking, you know, like making them come back every week and becoming dependent on me. Yeah. Um, and so for me, yoga was such a, just a brilliant adjunct to what I did to be able to give them resources to optimize their own health. And so a lot of my patients, you know, once they felt better would come to my yoga classes and, and, you know, eventually my book became that, that offering as well of just a resource to my patients to be able to help them do that. So, um, yeah, so yoga medicine kind of came along that line. I was, I was, I started training teachers actually pretty early, I was going and doing trainings. I would save up. I was in school still. I would save up and go do a training in the summer. And then I'd come home and I was just so excited about it. I would invite my teacher friends over. I think they'd pay like $20. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and I would, I would teach them what I like things I had learned. And, you know, a little bit of it was my own adaptation of it, but some, you know, a lot of it was things I had learned in the training. And I just, I loved it. I loved being able to share that. And eventually it expanded more and more and, and became, you know, the full-blown teacher trainings. I think that was in 2001. Oh my gosh. And um, so it's evolved a lot since. Yes. But um, for me, yoga medicine has always been about um, really helping our teachers understand a deeper, under, a deeper awareness of the individual. And for me, Chinese medicine provides that lens to be able to really... Um, appreciate the depth and dimensions to each person and the nuances. And it's, it's just so cool because there's so many tools we have in a yoga practice to be able to use and adapt it, even just small little nuances that can be so important. And so Chinese medicine really just gives me that lens to be able to work with that. And so, and then there's the meridians of Chinese medicine, mm -hmm. which of course apply so much to yoga. It just, it just makes sense to me that they should go hand in hand. <laughs> well, I I mean, I can definitely like relate to all of everything that you're saying just because I've, you know, I've experienced some of your trainings. I um I took your the like female anatomy or women's health um training in Austin a couple of years ago. And you know, I kept thinking to myself talking through a yoga teacher lens, like how am I going to take some of these things that I'm learning about the meridians and about Chinese medicine and how can I interlace this into uh, like as I'm teaching a class. And so I'm like, well, what do I like to hear? I love to hear the benefits. I like to know that this meridian line's connected to this organ. And so when we're twisting this way, you know, we're actually opening up this and this and that. And so I felt like it enriched me as a teacher and gave my classes just a little bit more fulfillment and knowledge, um, which is, you know, every yoga teacher teaches so differently. But I connected personally, too, with with the Chinese medicine philosophy, even though I like Ayurveda is something that's really important to me as well. I had to keep retraining my brain to not go <laughs> into the Ayurveda philosophy. Yeah. I was like, no, I got to shelf that and make sure that I'm like absorbing it in this way. So um, but yeah, I have, I've had lots of students are like, I love when you spit off all of that information. And, you know, I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to go into half pigeon and we're going to compress all the blood flow here. And blood flow is, you know, <laughs> like I literally was like, okay, I'm trying to take everything that I was, you know, being taught from you and being able to apply that to a teaching style. But, you know, I've got, um, quite a few friends that are in the medical industry that um, are traditional Western medicine, but there there's a, I think, a pretty big shove for some of these doctor friends to have 
awareness and knowledge of Eastern medicine and how they can layer it into their own practices. So with the times that we're in right now, you know, we've, we're going through a pandemic, we've got crazy COVID spreading around. What are like some maybe herbs or some things that you would suggest that just continue to help support and build the body? And I'm just, I want to say it out loud, just so like some of my medical viewers can be able to have an understanding that like, yeah, like turmeric actually really does thin out the blood like an ibuprofen and you can take it like this. Or I would just love to kind of hear your perspective Mm. of that. (laughs) That's a tricky one. I mean, I think for me, I get so into the the details and the specificity of what and who and why and when, um, it's hard because I think in the, in the media and in the, in the, in the world, you know, every day we see the new, like three things to do this and this will cure your this. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I think I'm very much like you in the sense that I, I have a very neutral stance. I think there's a very important place for Western medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also believe that holistic medicine is that important preventative side of things. Like if, if I'm in an emergency, I'm not going to my acupuncturist. I'm, you know, you, you need to go see a doctor, but I think what most people do is they wait until everything's so awful that they have, they, <laughs> they're the, like the last resort, you know, acupuncturists are often the last resort. And I think there's so much that we do that is optimizing health. And I also have mixed feelings about, um, I love that Western medicine is, I mean, I never would have guessed how, how much Western medicine would embrace what we do. I was always the black sheep and the hippie oh, in my yeah. family. Like my parents always were worried about me and yeah, yeah. Same here. <laughs> and now it's like, wow, it's this amazing thing. Yeah. You know? and it, I never would have guessed meditation and acupuncture would be so generally accepted and, and embraced as they are now. Um, and I love that doctors are coming to the table and wanting to offer more of that. But I also think it's important. What's most important is that we work together. I would never put that weight on a Western medical doctor's shoulders to know all about nutrition and herbs and, and the Eastern side of things, because they do a lot of schooling and a lot of other things like they, you know, there's surgeons and there's radiologists and there's, you know, so I think it's important that we know, and just rightfully so in the same way, I, I did four years of Chinese medicine after my pre-med degree. And, you know, I didn't do a residency, but I've, I've worked with thousands and thousands of patients over the last 15 plus years. And um, I don't think you can replace that in a weekend course. Yeah, so absolutely. I love, what, what I think needs to happen is I really believe that the Western medical doctors need to be able to, we need to be able to embrace it and work together, which is the hardest part, which is really why I created yoga medicine mm-hmm. was to, to really embrace both the research and science, as well as the traditional practices and create a resource of teachers to serve the medical um, institutions and, and healthcare providers. And so um, I just want to, I just want to mention that because I think a lot of people put that weight on their doctor's shoulders to do everything. And, and I think one of my main goals in this lifetime is to empower people to be their own healthcare advocate. And that's where I think yoga comes into place is it, it teaches us this foundational understanding just through simple body awareness, just by investigating and showing up to your mat, whether that's five minutes or five hours that I can show up and investigate. And what it does is it creates this foundation for all the rest of my healthcare, because now I can actually give better feedback. I know what's working, what's not working. I can be the one to say, Hey, you know, this chiropractor or physical therapist or whoever is really great, but, but, you know, I kind of plateaued. So I'm going to go try someone else knowing that they're still wonderful, but everyone can only do so much. Yeah. And I think what's brilliant today, because back in, you know, when I started, there weren't as many resources, but now there's so many resources online. So it doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. You know, you can get online and research things like, you know, through the podcast or through, you know, web searches. Obviously, you need to check out your resources of and, course. and you know, find some credible sites. But um, it is really empowering now for patients to be able to take their health care in their own hands. And um, and only you, only you know what's best. And for me, that's that's kind of like the birthright that yoga gives you, too. It's like you can navigate the system now. Yeah, it's hard sometimes to find the right healthcare providers. That's the hardest part. But do your research, read the bios, you know, maybe talk to people if if you have some resources there. Yes. 
I, um, I feel like yeah. that, um, you know, that's kind of how I live my life too. I feel like there's Western Eastern is both extremely important to me. And I, you know, I've told people in the past, they're like, what do I do for this fever? And I feel really sick and I think I might have strep. I'm like, dude, go get an antibiotic. Like you, you just got to go knock it out. And then you can be on the rebound and, you know, balance out your body and your gut bacteria with, holistic medicine and nutrition and all those types of things. But I think, you know, it's important that people do feel empowered to be able to, um, be intuitive and know like what's truly going on your body. I think that's the biggest thing, whether you're trying to get better from being sick or you're trying to strengthen or balance your body is having the understanding and being intuitive and knowing, you know, how your body reacts to certain things or, you know, like, like I'm so in tune with my body. I'm like, I know exactly when I, when I'm feeling a little off I'm like, Oh, I know I'm getting sick or like my period. I was like, I know exactly what ovary is ovulating right now. Like I can feel it. And people are like, I have no idea which one is ovulating. I'm like, well, it, it, there's no like quick fix to any of these things. But if you can have a better relationship with your body, I think you have, you know, what direction you need to go into. But I, I'm a huge advocate for preventative. So I'm like, okay, what can I do to, if I know I have chronic fatigue, I'm like, okay, what can I do to be able to give myself more energy? And I have a Chinese medicine, um, a huge like glossary book of all the foods in there that you can take. And anytime I ever put some sort of health claim, I'm always going back and making sure that I'm in alignment with, with that book and that glossary. So I love that. And I, I think what you said about being intuitive is really interesting. And I think there's two sides of that, right? There's this foundation of body awareness and into in being intuitive, which is really important for empowering us to each take the reins of our health care and our health and wellness. But then there's also another really interesting side of it, which um, is often called the placebo, <laughs> which is kind of demonized in Western medicine, because the reality is, you know, in research, we want to be able to minimize the placebo effects so that we can prove that the drugs are really powerful and doing their job. But the reality, there's always a placebo effect. Oh, yeah. In fact, in, in things like antidepressant studies, mm -hmm. the placebo effect is almost always as much as, if not sometimes more than the, the, the effects of the drugs. And they've also shown that there are significant effects of, of taking placebos, even when the patient knows it's a placebo. Isn't that so wild? I think for me, it's it's like this is the power of the mind, and instead of looking at it as a negative thing, as something we need to eliminate, or you know, it being all in our head, the reality is that our minds are powerful. So if and and this is where modern medicine embraces this too. Like if I'm a surgeon. I don't want somebody, someone going under my knife who's not sure about the outcome or how it's going to be. You know, this is this is true of most surgeons nowadays. From what I've talked to, is like, and so for me as a yoga teacher, I'm never going to tell them not to get some some procedure. I'm not their medical doctor, but I will always encourage them to get a second opinion, and I always want them to feel positive about what I'm doing, which is for me where yoga medicine and the education component of it is so powerful because as, as a teacher, if I can drop those tidbits of information so that they can now start to create what, what I like to think of as healing maps to really understand things. It creates not only this magnification of the placebo effect, but also now I'm helping their nervous system start to create a pathway back to this health and well-being, which is, I think, a really powerful practice too. Oh, yeah. The mind is so... I mean, that's why, you know, it, it's always so funny when you see some of these fitness gurus or, you know, just uh, health coaches that are all over social media or life coaches or whatnot. And they're like, okay, we need to take care of our bodies. We need to be exercising and eating really well. I always tell people when I run any type of health and nutrition program that I'm like, that's the portion of it. You have to do your, your mind detox or your mind, you know, nutrition support too. And what that looks like is, you know, feeding yourself that positivity or, you know, meditating, clearing your mind out and, you know, the power of like your voice and, and, you know, you, if you if, like, for instance, for example, it's like, you know, we have a yoga community that really looks up and values you and values your background. And, you know, you can come and say and be like, you know what, that pain in your low back is going to go away when you start doing, you know, more hip openers and you're able to relax, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, the pain's still there. And then you start doing hip openers like it's gone. It's gone. But it's like, 
is it really gone? Or is my mind telling myself because you told me that it's going to go away? <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, who cares? It's that it's the whole placebo. You know, it's like if we're able to, we don't, we just don't give ourselves enough credit. Our bodies are pretty powerful vessels and we can get through anything. I mean, even as we're going through like this crazy pandemic and COVID and people are super sick for weeks and weeks and you know, you, there's a point, a crossroad you get to when you're so sick, you're just like, okay, am I going to die or am I going to like pull myself out of this? It's like, no, you got to build yourself up and be like, no, you know what? My body's going to fight this and it's going to be okay. And I'm going to get out on the other end. But, um, I, the one thing I think pain science is really interesting too, because, you know, what we, what we know about pain has changed so much just in the past five years. And, you know, we tend to think that it's the nervous system and pain are, are well-known straightforward systems, but we actually know very little about them. And, um, you know, what, what we do know, though, is that the pain response is happening in the brain. We don't have pain receptors. We have threat receptors, you mm-hmm. know, that are telling us about extreme changes in the body. Um, but that that filtering in the brain, though, is it's taking in that information from the nerves, but it's also weighing it against our past, our beliefs, our emotions, so you know, the state of the nervous system at the time, and and. The most important thing is my experience of pain is always real. That output of pain is the same regardless of whether it's happening because of these filters of my past or because of an actual nerve mechanical issue. You know, the pain is the pain and that's the same. So this idea of it being in your head is kind of, it's kind of silly. Um, but, you know, when we look at all these things, I think the more we learn in science, it, it really does whatever facet of the body you're talking about, come back to a lot of really basic things, you know, eating well, sleeping, moving around, um, you know, nourishing your, your mind and looking at your beliefs and then resting, you know, some of these simple things. And for me, you know, helping to empower people and educate them through that and, and bring it down to earth. I think that's one thing I've, I've really kind of been known for is, is making TCM relevant. Um, that's why I got hired at, uh, that's why I was told I got hired at Nike. <laughs> I, I built their Chinese medicine program from the ground up and oh ran gosh, it for a long amazing. time. And um, I think that's also what creates those healing maps is if I'm talking in some different language, it doesn't mean anything. You know, I, I have to be able to, to meet this person, see the world through their lens, through their body, and then find a way to steer and shift this system that's constantly changing. It's never the same, which is great. So then I decide, do I want to steer it? Which way do I want to steer it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to really create this experience in my life and my body. I feel like you kind of discussed that a little bit in one of your books that you had written. Um, I know you've written two books, and one of those books was you you had mentioned was kind of like a resource for your students and your clients. And that was one of the first books that I bought. I think you read it back, wrote it back in like 2010, and it discussed it really broke down like you know nutrients, and I felt like it was almost like a detox program. Like you were encouraging people to go through each day and adding in this new tool or this new practice to kind of experience your body in a different way, which, um, you know, really just kind of influenced and opened my eyes. And then I know you created another book that was around like weight loss. And I felt like you really kind of discussed in there in regards to exactly what we're talking about. It's just like how your mind is so powerful and how it can influence your body's response to retaining and holding on to weight. So I'm just kind of, um, you know, curious to, to see some more of those tools and resources coming from those books, which girl, I mean, y'all, you definitely, if you haven't gotten those books, those are definitely books you want to keep on, on your shelf, especially if you're like in a health or wellness industry or some sort of health coach. Like, I just feel like there's just a lot of resources to, to pull from those. Thank you. I, well, the first one was optimal health for vibrant life. And I, I started creating that one I mean, that one was ever since I started seeing patients and, um, you know, I would create all these handouts and eventually I made a workshop for my yoga students. And then the workshop eventually after years of doing it every January, um, I joked that it would would turn into a book because the handouts were so thick. And then the next year, sure enough, I turned it into a book. And that one's really about, you know, it's, it's cool, I think, because this was created so long ago now, almost 15 years ago or more, 
Um, and it's still so relevant. It's still things that we use. And so it's a variety of resources from, you know, explaining some basics of nutrition. It's not a, a fad diet or anything like that, but it's a 30 day detox looking at different facets, which is what I love to do is the, the three dimensions of the body. So looking at yoga, mindfulness, um, meditation, food, um, home remedies, which I've found to be really powerful with my patients and just wanting to offer that for free, you know, obviously you buy the book, but um, compared to my my sessions and what people would pay to come and see me, such a low, uh, easy entry fee for people to be able to optimize their health. But then the second one was really about looking at mindset. And, um, you know, I feel I've always felt really strongly. I grew up, my mom was on every fad diet known to man and, and her, I mean, uh, thyroid issues and obesity run in my family. And so um, it was it was always an issue. And so she was always trying to, to work with that. Um, so I have, I've always felt strongly about not wanting to get into that of really wanting yeah. to help women and, and men heal themselves. And I've always believed really strongly in the power of the body that we are so equipped with such a brilliant, such brilliant, I hate to call it machinery, but like parts that know how to adapt. They're built with checks and regulations in it. But what I need to do is to optimize the environment so my body can better process and eliminate. And so, um, but I think what ends up happening is we tend to approach this from a sense of deprivation and needing to beat ourselves up. Yeah. You know, I saw patients who would come in and they'd be like, oh, I need to lose weight, so I'm going to run. And then they like, hate it. And I'm like, well, well, there's plenty of ways to move. <laughs> like, you don't have to deprive yourself and and you know do these these really torturous kind of diets and fads. And so my my second book, Meditate Your Weight, was really about changing your mindset mm-hmm. to shift long term patterns and behaviors exactly. to look at the world through a lens of how do I help myself thrive and knowing that as my body becomes more balanced, that some of those things are going to change, but my goal isn't necessarily to be like a supermodel or to be ultra thin, but I to feel good. And when I'm driven by feelings, it's a much more powerful um, route to go down than like, I want to be skinny. <laughs> and so it was interesting because I got a lot of flack in the yoga community when I wrote this. And, you know, it was a big discussion with my editor when we were coming up with the title. And I, I ended up going with the title that they wanted because I really wanted to hit the people. I, I know yoga people are, you know, I, I knew the body positivity was starting to happen and, you know, we were starting to embrace this, which I love, I think is so important. But I also know as a healthcare provider, you know, obesity is a very real problem and is a predisposing factor for pretty much every disease. And um, what I wanted to do was get something really valuable into the hands of the people in the weight loss aisle. Yeah, And I, I accomplished that, which is great. But yeah, I, I definitely got some flack in the yoga community because people who didn't read it thought that I was encouraging people to cut weight and, and become skinny and blah, 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 blah. You know, that if you read it, you, yeah. know, you know. that Which it's isn't that, that kind of ironic <laughs> that we were getting, you know, this judgment from a community like the yoga community, which is supposed to be this, you know, it's seen from the outside lenses that this is like this nonviolent, peaceful, compassion, understanding community. It's like, you know, the business side of it has definitely its shadows for sure. But, you know, I completely agree with you. And I actually enjoyed and loved the book and took it in, in stride and Someone who like, you know, I suffered from an eating disorder when I was in my young teens and struggled with it into my 20s. And, you know, the the idea of, you know, when people would say like, well, you're so skinny, I don't understand why you why you're not eating or why you're on this diet. And it's exactly kind of you like hit the nail on the head there. It's not about the food or the diet or the fab. It's the feelings and the emotions and the relationship that you have with that. And so being able to heal your relationship with yourself and those feelings and with, you know, your relationship with food, it's, that's, that's the disorder is, is not like, it's not about the food. It's about the control. It's about the emotional, it's your mindset. You have to like change the mindset to be able to change the behavior. And so I, I always, you know, kind of speak to even my, my two daughters who are like, my 12 year old is so influenced by social media and society and you know we've we're, we live in the world of like the kardashians and yeah. you know just like how big can we get our lips and my eyebrows and you know like um, like 
the, what is that makeup stuff they do? Like people, you know, like the shadowing. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I get, I've been getting drilled big time from my 12, almost 13 year old about a lot of different toxic topics and I, oh, contouring. The contouring yeah. makeup. So it's like just teaching, you know, our children and teaching women in this next generation, which I heard this generation's yeah. called Gen Z's, by the way. <laughs> We've got millennials, Gen Z's. <laughs> I love that. And I think the one thing that may, someone said this to me other, the other day, I think as women, we sometimes give away our power in the sense like someone sent me this. It was a really sweet note, but in it, she was talking about in my women's health when we talk about menopause, and she's like, "Oh yeah," and I had this quote from someone who summarized it really brilliantly um, about menopause, and she's like, "And then I was a boy again," and I was like, "I almost cried inside." I thought because in Chinese medicine we actually see menopause as a really powerful state. It's where the hormones actually start to level off, and it symbolizes this powerful, intuitive wisdom phase of our lives where we're kind of tuned into, um, uh, I mean, like, gosh, there's no more mood swings at least, right? There's, there's a little bit more, or the hormonal swings, which so many people, I, I always love that when people think PMS is natural. I'm like, no, that's, we can work on that. Yes. yes. <laughs> but I think women, and, and, and I see this too, I think with aging, I saw some, you know, you see so many celebrities now that have so much work done. I just want to see, like, I don't want to be that person who's 70 and they're like, oh, you look so great for your age. I want to be the person who's like, look at me embracing aging. Like aging is great. Everyone's going to get older and I'm going to get wrinkles and I'm going to change. And I think we as women um, need to embrace that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know someone who doesn't even tell their own kids their age, which is crazy. Like and I, and I, it makes me so upset as a woman too because I'm like you're perpetuating, you know I I love her but it's like I you're perpetuating that that idea that we are less valuable as we get older which yeah. is so sad for me I've always looked up to women who are older than me um, as being wiser and I just wish every woman could see that as we accrue more life experiences, more wisdom, whether that's around healing and health and wellness or whatever, whatever, whatever you're in, whatever realm of the world you're, you're involved in, um, that we, we gather these life experiences, which are so valuable and and kind of own that. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to take I think like every woman gets to that point at some point, right? Like we'll, we'll sit down, like I'll I'll have a conversation with my grandma who's in her upper seventies, almost eighties. And she's just like, believe me, there's going to be a time where you don't even care anymore. And it's (laughs) going to happen. But I mean, it's just, we're so heavily influenced. I think as women, because we're always trying to like prove something. We're always trying to prove we're more masculine. We're strong enough. We're not going to break down and cry, or we can do 10 things at once perfectly. Or, you know, it's just like, we're, we're just in a society right now that it's just, we put so many pressures and and stipulations on being a woman. It's going to take more. I, I know I'm a firm believer like whatever energy you put out into the universe, you're going to get it right back. So if more of us as a collective can come together and start putting out into the universe, like who cares about the quarantine weight? Like whatever, like be thankful that you're freaking alive right now. Or, you know, like that scar represented this or you like women just have to let down their guard and be willing to let go a little bit. And I think it's going to influence the population in our generations. I'm hoping at least for my children's sake. I know. I agree. And I, I think a lot of times the fear behind it is this fear that if we let go, that it's all just going to go, you know, yeah. go to crap. It's, but the reality is there's a fine line. We, we don't have to completely let go. I can still be really, um, you know, I, I think my health and wellness is, is the most, one of the most important things to me. And I think it's what drives my work is my own fascination with the body and with health and wellness. And experimenting with new things in my own experience and with my patients and students and um, being able to share that with people. But like, I don't have to throw all that away when I, when I kind of make peace with this, the changes. And I think this happens in yoga too, is, is we, we tend to show up and, and we want to be able to do those hard poses mm-hmm. when we're 70. And you see the pictures of, of people in their eighties doing these crazy poses. And I'm just like, I just, for me, it goes kind of, it's, it's counter to what I believe is yoga, which is really to support the different phases 
of of our lives and and you know i think a lot of that a lot of that is is important to be able to kind of let shift over time as well oh absolutely well i think like i mean at the end of the day if we can get more and more people to experience some of these things yeah. that we're saying like then they're going to get it. The light switch is going to go off. And, you know, just even leading back to your, your two books too, it's like if people read these books and actually, you know, put forth the work and put the experience in, you know, the light switch will go off. They'll understand. It'll make complete sense, but it's just, it's just going to take more voices and more people being vulnerable and willing to share, you know, their experiences and their shadow sides. And I mean, I, I always look at like, you know, women that inspire me. They're not this like stick skinny, perfect, got their shit together type of person. It's like, no, they're like super real and vulnerable. I'm like, that's what's inspiring. I think to us all is, you know, when we don't have it all together and you're like, Oh good. I don't have to have it all together. Cause she doesn't either. And she's doing just fine. I'm like, this is good. So that's kind of where, and honestly, that's why I'm like, I created this podcast. I'm like, I want to put people on here that people aspire to, but I want to see that tequila side of you too. I want to know like, you know, <laughs> what was the journey of getting here? So, but, um, seriously, honestly, like everything that you've, you know, participated in and all the programs you put out there, like you can just tell just sitting, even I'm sure people listening to the passion and the knowledge that you have behind some of these um, ancient philosophies that you've adapted and, and brought to to people's laps have been incredible. So um, I always like to play a game with my with my guests before we we end our podcast. It's called Twenty Questions. And it's just like super fun. We get to know you. We get to maybe know some personal sides of you. So I'm going to ask these 20 questions. You'll just answer them just as best as you can. Quick, simple, nothing too crazy if you're willing to play. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so what is one of your favorite places you've traveled to? Oh, gosh, that's so hard. I know. You've gone a lot, a lot of places. Um, okay. The first thing that came to mind was actually Dubai because I had such oh, a great gosh. time there. After I met my husband. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dubai is on my bucket list. Um, speaking of your husband, how did you meet him? <laughs> okay, Cupid. Yeah. <laughs> We're not I, online. Oh my god. I, I love that. I love that. And how did he propose? Actually, it was at Christmas. It was on the top of our Christmas tree. And it was funny because we had taken the star down because it looked awful. And he's like, you need to go get the star. You need to go get the star. And I was adamant. I was like, no, it looks awful. We're not putting it up. And he made me go get it. And then when I put the star up, I was like, oh, God, I'm such a jerk. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so cute. Um, Okay. Are you a coffee drinker or are you a tea drinker? Ooh, I'm usually tea, but I've been doing intermittent fasting and I love like the butter. I'm very picky about coffee. Yeah, me too. Like a little coffee and butter <sighs> and the more ghee, I guess, in the oh, morning collagen. I love yeah. that. You know, um, so I make this buttered coffee. I get vanilla bean paste and do oh. like a teaspoon of that because that stuff's pretty potent. It is like a treat. So, I've so good. I've vanilla extract, but it... it it kind of is better with a little salt for me. Yeah. Do vanilla bean paste. I'll have to try it. It's amazing. That. The Madagascar one. Okay. <laughs> um, what is, so what's your go-to favorite herb or vitamin that you're like, you got to take this every day. This is beneficial oh, for your go-to. I have like a whole arsenal. My husband always jokes because I, <laughs> well, when I sold my first clinic a long time ago, I took uh, the, the herbs home with me, a yeah. lot of them, um, because he didn't want all of them, the, the guy who bought them. And so I ended up having this arsenal ever since I've had this huge medicine cabinet of herbs. And, and oh I God. love that. I love being able to pull out what I need, but. Um, You're like the witch um, doctor. If your neighbors know that you had that, you, you would have people knocking. <laughs> well, I'll say I don't use this. I use so many. It really just depends on, on what's going on. And I'm, I have thyroid issues run in my family. So I've, I'm always on some, some natural thyroid supplements. Um, but one that I love that I use a lot with patients and that has, was like a wonder drug for my husband who's had sleep issues forever is tryptophan. 
and I swear by it. So many people have melatonin, but um, I find it, it rarely does the trick for a lot of my patients and the people I work with. Um, but tryptophan, man, that stuff, we keep that in our medicine cabinet for tryptophan. sure. Tryptophan. A lot of things. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I just, melatonin always gives me like wacky dreams and like I don't, yeah. it keeps my mind going, but my body's tired. It's very weird. We might have to pull out the tryptophan. Matt, my husband's the right. same way. He never, he does not sleep well. And he has like restless leg syndrome and he's a drummer too. So he literally plays the drums like in his sleep. I'm like, I'm going to kill him. We had to buy like a tempur bed so I couldn't feel his movements anymore. <laughs> but there's been a couple times where I like get up and I like just grab his leg until it like chills out. I'm like, dude, you need to take a lot of magnesium and you need sleep to sleep. Sleep is everything too. Oh. Like you don't, I'm a, I've always been a really proficient sleeper. My husband's very jealous and that's just been my thing. But sleep is everything. If you're not sleeping, we have all sorts of things. We have like an Uler for our bed, you know, it runs the cold water so that he stays cool at night, which I actually like too. Yeah. He was sold because they said, sleep like a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> and that was of course what sold him, you know, like on a cold surface and a warm blanket. Oh like, okay. God. I know, I know how to get to him. Yeah. You have to have like the right language. <laughs> Is he like a human heater? Does he let off a lot of heat? He runs fairly warm. I mean, not super warm, but I think that was just an issue we found for his sleep was staying cool. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that's what we need because literally Matt's like a human heater. Like I have to put pillows in between because I'm like, you are going to roast me out. Like I like to be cold <laughs> at night. Oh my gosh, we're going to have to look that up. Okay, what's your biggest pet peeve? Ooh. I know. Well, I think the one that comes to mind really off on the yoga topic is um, I find a lot of yoga teachers tend to ride this like fear-inducing train of like, don't do this, or you're going to hurt your back or this or that. I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves because again, when we talk about the power of the mind, if you're thinking about all these bad things that could happen, and again, and also embracing that the practice is so different for each person, what might be great for one person, medicine for one is also poison for someone else. Is there really a hard and fast, right or wrong, you know, good or bad, you know, when we look at this, um, or is it really just meeting the individual? So uh, the fear inducing tactics as yoga teachers, I think is always kind of rubs me the wrong way. Oh my gosh. I can, I can totally could see that that could be a pet peeve of yours. Well, and, and the other side of that is in the medical world too. You know, we're starting to talk about nocebic language too. Like, can you can't really slip a disc. Yeah. <laughs> and it's helpful to think about wear and tear and some of these things that have negative connotations when you now identify with this diagnosis and think about every movement wearing down your joint and, you know, your disc having slipped. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. A slip it's disc. Not that simple. <laughs> like, please stop using that that word. Um, bodies are powerful. What is your most memorable moment you can think of in your life? Can it be an experience, an interaction with somebody? Ooh. I know. Well, I will say the one one thing that just pops out for some reason. I don't know. It's a very strange one, but my parents were always really worried about me, and kind of like I told you, I was the black sheep, and. Um, until I got on the cover of a magazine, I can't even remember. It was like international lifestyle magazine. It was some weird magazine that no one, you know, has probably ever seen. Um, but my dad saw it and he was like, kiddo, you're doing good. Oh. <laughs> it was like, I had finally arrived. You're like, was, yes, dad doesn't think of the black sheep. <laughs> he gets it. Finally. Oh, I love that. Well, so following your most, you know, memorable moment, What's like your biggest fear? And it can be simple. It doesn't have to be anything deep too. It could be like spiders. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that's a tough one. I know. My biggest fear. Oh, I don't really like heights that much, but I wouldn't say I'm really afraid, like a deep fear. I don't really like, this is a weird one because I have a lot, I love the ocean and the beach, but I actually really don't like the ocean. It's so creepy and large and ginormous and like all those things on there. I don't yeah. mind it if I'm diving. Like I could see things. Yeah. But I remember living in Sydney and everyone would go out surfing. Oh no. And come back and talk about the sharks. And no. I'm like, no. No, no way. <laughs> Literally, that is my biggest fear. I have nightmares about sharks and oceans. Like if the water is not clear, there is no way I'm getting I'm getting in it. No way. I'll have like full panic yeah. attack. Okay, well that makes me feel good. Week. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but I'm obsessed with Shark Week. Like I'm so. Watch too much Shark Week. Oh yeah, too much Shark Week will just heighten the fear and the anxiety a little bit. Actually, just thinking about it makes me. I'm like sweating a little, a little bit here. Um, what's your most okay? What's your most embarrassing moment you've done? Oh my gosh. I think of one right away. Actually, I was at yoga journal. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be announcing this to the world. Yeah. I was so glad that they didn't find out. But <laughs> I loved sitting with my dog and we had flown and she, at the time had a very sense, she has a sensitive stomach and that's mm-hmm. her Achilles heel. Yeah. And so, you know, I have to give her the same food all the time, but we had canned food and I didn't have a fridge in my hotel room. And I was like, it'll be good till the morning. Yeah. I'll just feed in the morning and then I'll throw it away. And I went and taught, I went to teach my fascia release and she had diarrhea in the middle of the room. Stop luckily it. right at the beginning. And it wasn't that, I mean, she's a very tiny dog. So it was like almost nothing, but luckily my husband was there and whisked her away and cleaned it up. Oh. And everyone in the class was so nice about it. I was horrified. Oh God. Yeah. And I love having her there. She's like my little therapy dog. She's oh. so, she loves oh, we, everyone. And everyone loves having her there. She's like, she's like the reason people, that's why they come. It's because they get to have pup pup on their little mat. Um, Worst experience ever. Oh gosh. That would freak me out too. When you, when was, uh, okay. When's the moment you felt the most challenged? This whole year, yeah. I <laughs> kudos to that sister. 2020. Yeah, twenty twenty most challenging to say the least. Yeah. I totally. Definitely. Um. Okay. Are you a mountain girl or ocean girl? Ooh, do I have to choose? You I can, guess. Girl, you can do whatever I you want. Both, but if you I can be both. To pick, if it was one or the other, I say both. But if I had to pick, I'd probably be beach. Yeah, beach. Okay, even with the shark stuff. Without the without, without I just want to look at the ocean and sit on the beach. Then I'm a beach girl. You put me in the water, not so much. Um, <laughs> who do you look up to the most? Like if there is one, you know, influencer or a person in history, like you know the qualities that you aspire to. Like who do you look up to? So many people, but I think the first person that comes to mind is actually my husband. Oh, yeah, you know, he does. He's more of the, he's an entrepreneur. He runs tech startups and, um, I just have, he's just has such an eloquent way of inspiring. I always said he, he didn't do yoga when I met him, but he has always just naturally been kind of Zen and he he gravitates toward meditation. And, um, he has this uncanny capacity to inspire people to want to do better. And it's always been really, inspiring to me to be able to motivate people to want to do better, not just push them, right? Mm-hmm. Employees and people you work with, not just pushing them to grind more and to work harder, but really to want to be a part of something bigger and greater. And, and that's always been really important to me as well. I think no one wins if we don't all win. Yep. Oh, I love that. Okay, girl, are you a, if you're a wine drinker, are you a red wine, white wine, rosé? Like what's your go-to? Gosh, we've been doing keto and, and wine has been awful for us lately, <laughs> but my favorite, um, if I have to pick, usually I think in the course of my lifetime, I've always been a red wine person, mm-hmm. but recently more champagne, <gasps> sparkling. Oh, I like that. Champagne with yeah. like a little dropper of orange juice in it. It's like perfect. <laughs> Maybe. Um, what is your, what's your favorite podcast? Like what is kind of like your go-to that you've been listening to lately? have just one I'm usually looking at what's in it because I don't have a lot of like many people I don't have like a commute I don't have a lot of downtime so it's pretty rare that I'll sit down and listen to a long one unless like it's usually about learning for me mm-hmm. so I'm usually looking at the subject line and finding interesting new research I mean I spend hours of every week digging through new research and so um, it's usually an extension of that somehow yes I <laughs> I, I, can, I think that like that's how I am too. I'm similar with podcasts. I'm like, if I, I want to learn something and be able to take notes on it, but I, there is a couple podcasts out there that I've listened to that are hysterical and oh, yeah, that's I, great too. Yeah. I'm just like, God, I needed a good laugh. Um, laughter is medicine by the way. Yes. <laughs> what, um, what do you do for stress relief? Like considering we're going through crazy 2020 right now with like COVID and then, you know, we've got, um, 
just, we had our election and all these huge movements that happened this year and how it's impacted all of us. So like, what is kind of like your go-to stress relief through this whole crazy freaking year? Yeah, I have so many. I think for me, I have a lot of like go-to remedies for students and patients and things depending on what they like. But for me, it's really just about forcing myself to carve out some time. Once I start sensing that stress kick in, I'm just carving out some time in my day to make sure I get on my mat and and do something for myself. For me, it's also about like this energy exchange. I think that's a really simple way of thinking about it. Um, from my own perspective of like, okay, I'm putting out, 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 how am I putting back in, yeah. you know? And, and sometimes yoga can be a form of putting out too. You know, we get to our mat, we're like, I got to grind and I've got to get stronger and I've got to stay in shape. I've got to do this thing rather than like, how do I feed myself? And that can still be movement that can be restorative. That can be um, breath. And so for me, it's more intriguing, just the mindset of how I approach it to, to feed myself rather than, um, rather than expending more energy and, and putting out. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's wonderful. It's interesting. You say too, about sometimes yoga can be putting out cause you know, I've taking yoga for 15, oh God, more than that now, 18 years. But, um, yeah, sometimes I feel like it's just too much work and energy at times when you're in a really low stressed kind of state. So, yeah. um, and it's hard because, and you know, from like a, a Chinese medicine or holistic lens too, there's also times where we hit that, like we all do, where we just are kind of lazy and we need that little push. We actually need to get moving. And so to me, yoga is also uncovering that truthfulness with myself to be like, okay, am I really tired? And do I need to listen to this? Or do I actually have, I've been sitting in my chair a lot and I actually just need to move. And, you know, I think the trainings are great because we can really dive deep into that. But I think there's also just a natural inclination in that um, of just deep listening. Oh, yeah. I think that's a that's a skill that people definitely want to inherit a little bit. Um, yeah. Okay, girl. <clears throat> What's your prized possession? Maybe it's like... My dog. Tell us what your dog's name is again. Lulu. Lulu and y'all Lulu is this sweet tiny little white pup pup she's so stinking cute how old is she she's 15 now and she's four pounds she's a Maltese and she's just a lot all she wants to do is be near you and be loved and she'll turn up food just to be in your lap it's (laughs) it's so sweet I mean I have to convince her to eat sometimes so it's not that sweet um (laughs) little Lulu what um I'm just curious what your zodiac sign is I'm a Libra you're a Libra what's your husband he's very close he's right on the we're both on the cusp between um Virgo and Libra okay because we're both end of September birthdays that's a good combo Virgo Libra. very balancing yeah that those are good combos oh my gosh I love that do you know what like your rising sign is I don't, I might've at some point, but I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like you have some sort of like Capricorn or Gemini in your birth chart. Cause you're such a like hard worker and you have so many, you know, hats that you wear too. So I'd be curious about that. Um, okay. What's your mantra? Like what's like your, your go-to to push you through? Well, I, I think this feeds off of what you just said. I, I worked at Nike for a long time and I've, uh, you know, I, I as with anyone working for a corporation have, you know, pros and cons of working there, but I've always really resonated with the just do it mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, being a perfectionist myself, as well as many other people, yeah. I think sometimes, you know, we analyze things and we get so caught up in that. I'm such a planner. I love to plan everything. Yeah. And so, but you know, there's this point where I just have to force myself just to take that step. Just, yeah. just, just start going. <laughs> it's, yes. it's definitely been important for me. Girl, I think that's a huge thing to project out there, especially for women. Like we get like a lot of women entrepreneurs listen to this too. And I'm like, there's times where we can sit there and we can plan and plan and plan for years and years and years. And it's never perfect enough. So we can never put it out there. But going back to your mantra, it's like, just do it. Just throw it out there. Isn't it not perfect? It might, it might, you know, you might have to redo it a couple more times or whatever. Just, just do it. If I didn't have that, if I let my perfectionist take over, I would never have done anything. Like every time I sit down to write an article or do something, 
you know, there's that inclination to want to get stuck in it, you know, indefinitely. Yeah. <laughs> I have to just like force myself. Yeah. You <laughs> just do it. Okay. My, it's good enough. my last question, I ask everybody this question. Are you green juice or tequila? <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's an important place for both as there obviously you, you do. That's but the right answer. One, most of the time, 90% of the time I would choose green juice. Of course. I'm... And, uh, but I think, I think, you know, it doesn't have to be alcohol, but I, I think letting down our guards and connecting socially is such an important thing. And, and yes, it doesn't have to involve alcohol, but alcohol is a social lubricant. You know, we connect yes. sometimes that's food, yep. sometimes that's music. I mean, there's so many ways to connect. And I think it's important to let go of our, our boundaries and our routines and, mm-hmm. you know, all the structure that we sometimes have as women who are creating and doing things. I know for myself, I'm so focused on like, I love what I do. And that's, I, I've always gotten a hard time from, from people in the past, like, you need to have a hobby. You need to have a hobby. And I'm like, I actually love my yeah. work. I yeah. love it. And Aww. yeah, I need, I, I take downtime, but you know, we get so focused on moving forward and this thing that we're building, but there needs to be that time where we let down our guard mm-hmm. and, you know, connect and yes. we know the importance of, you know, social connection and, and mental health and, and, and health as well. Oh my gosh. I completely agree with you. I actually like mixing green juice and tequila together. <laughs> It's very good. Yeah. You can actually, my girlfriend for my birthday this past year, they had put together a green juice tequila like surprise party. And I love donuts too. It's like my, it's my vice. And they made like margarita and lime donuts, but she made this cocktail with green juice, but she had put a little bit of jalapeno in it. So it had a little zing to it with tequila and then champagne. Girl, it'd be all three of your favorite things in one drink. It's so great. And it tasted awesome. It was like fresh. You didn't get a hangover in the next day. We've been obsessed with mocktails lately. Oh, yes. We've got like one of those sparkling water makers and we've got a bunch of herbs in our garden. So we'll like, there's usually a lemon and then whatever herb we want to grab, a few drops of stevia and then yes. sparkling water and maybe some frozen fruit. But Love it. So good. And, and every once in a while, we'll add some tequila or yeah, alcohol in there. I know, right? <laughs> hey, I was like on this whole bandwagon for like a couple weeks. I was like researching. I want to make a mocktail, but I want it to, I want the same like excitement that I get when I'm like, I can't wait to open up that glass of Zool and sip on that tonight. But I, so I bought these, this brand. I'm not going to say it on here because I felt bad, but I bought this brand of tequila and it was not tequila. It was a, um, it was a non-alcoholic tequila. It's supposed to taste like a mezcal. And so I drank that thing. It literally, my esophagus was on fire. It tasted so horrible. I like bought two bottles of it too, because I was so excited. And then there was this other company I was like called Splendid or something. I don't know if you've seen advertisements no. on your social media, but. Well, what, what we do, and this is another one of our stress tip, tips, like a lot of times at the end of the week, is yeah. I'll actually put that concoction, before I put the sparkling water in, I put that concoction, so the lemon, the stevia, and the herbs. Yeah. Um, and not a lot of herbs, otherwise it'll be too chunky, and okay. maybe some frozen fruit with CBD in a blender. Oh, that's a good idea. With the CBD, you have to put it in the blender. Otherwise, it just sits on the top. Yeah, it sits on cup, the top. And then you're worried you're wasting it. Oh, it's my expensive. gosh. I so love I put that. It in the blender and it's Do you feel it, so good? Cocktail. <laughs> I love it. We we were doing it all the time this summer. Can cocktail. you like post cocktail. that on your like Instagram page and save it on your highlights or something so we can go back and and have that recipe because that's genius. <laughs> it's so easy. But I, it, it kind of just depends on what you have, right? Yeah. So it's just a half a lemon per person. Love it. And then a, a few maybe just a few leaves of some herb or however strong you want the herb taste. We like it really herbaceous. Yeah. Same here. A few drops of stevia. I like like eight drops of stevia. Okay. Like it. And then a fruit of like a, maybe a handful of blackberries or something if you want, but you don't even need that. (gasps) That sounds so pretty. And then CBD. Sparkling water. I love it. That's see, that's, that would be my jam. 
I wouldn't go by the fake knockoff mascal unless you like literally want to kill COVID in your throat because it yeah, burned the mezcal, hell out of it. That was fun. Mezcal is good, but it, I can see how it could be really strong. I know. It's not gonna, yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to drink the real tequila. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's not going to do it. Okay. So, um, before we shift off here, I just would love for our listeners to know what they can do to follow you, to participate. Y'all, Tiffany has these amazing teachers training trainings. If you are a yoga teacher, or even if you're not a yoga teacher, even if you're like in the industry and just want to learn more about Chinese medicine and how it corresponds to yoga and the body, like her trainings are super rich and amazing and you'll get lots of resources and the community is awesome. So you've got trainings, hopefully some retreats, maybe in the next couple of years of things kind of die down. You've got your books. Um, you know, what's like your next endeavor? How can people follow support you? Well, um, it's just yogamedicine.com. And then we're on all of the, I and yoga medicine, we're both on all the social media. I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram, just Tiffany Cruikshank. Um, but you can find me through yoga medicine. It's easier to spell. <laughs> and, um, and then we're on the other platforms too. And then we also have, we just launched a few months ago, a new service. It's the first time I've offered, um, uh, this resource that's really aimed more at students and teachers. So it's our yoga medicine online, which you can find at yogamedicine.com, which um, it's actually really interesting because we based it off of the health and human services guidelines to help reduce chronic diseases and um, things like cancer and, and brain health. And um, so every week we have a new weekly wellness routine that comes out to not only fulfill your movement needs and obviously stretching and connective tissue health and mental health, but also your physiology and your organ health and your sleep and your nervous system, meditation, you know, just your quality of life, I think it's pretty rare, you know, a lot of yoga programs focus either on the physical or very esoteric or maybe just on internal health. Although I don't know that I can't think of any that do that, but, um, what I think is really important is, is having a bit of everything, which is challenging. I spend my whole life trying to research and find all of these, you know, best practices to, to nourish all the different facets of our health. And so what we do is bring it together so you can just plug and play and have a weekly routine Perfect. or some days are more restorative, you know, of nourishing and some days are more movement. Some days are really challenging. We've got some very physical classes on there, what we call yoga conditioning, um, but it's really a three-dimensional approach. And then we also have little educational nuggets, which we call our monthly dose. Um, when I used to teach more regularly in person, um, what I found was that the people who practice with me over time started to accrue all these great tools and resources and really understand the what, why, and how behind their practice. And so we have these monthly doses where you can learn around a certain topic. We've done the immune system and detoxing and nervous system and fashion. We have anti-aging coming up Ooh. and all sorts of things. So people can also learn and practice, but also not have to like search through a million things yep. and get a well-rounded three-dimensional approach. So it's, it's meant for um, students and teachers for Perfect. anyone who wants to feel and, great and, and approach their practice to feel great. And they can just log on to Yoga medicine and, and be able to access all of these things. Yogamedicine.com. Awesome. And, um, yeah, I was, I was going to say we could, I can give them a discount code if you want to. Hey, that would be snazzy. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. Well, we could give you, um, let's say, let's put it under green juice, code yep. green juice Perfect. for two free weeks of, <gasps> of yoga. So Yo, just that's amazing. Code green juice. Code green uh, juice. Our gift to you guys so that Aww. you can take care of yourselves during this Crazy transitional time. period. Yeah, I would love that. Girl, thank you so much. And thank you for coming on and being a guest and sharing your story and, you know, all these great little nuggets. I'm just so excited for our, our listeners to be able to, to absorb everything that you just offered and gave to us. So again, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you. It was, it was fun to chat. <laughs> I know, right? Our little coffee chat up here. All right, y'all. We'll, we'll make sure to put all of Tiffany's information on this episode. Please give Yoga Medicine a follow. And if you are a yoga teacher, I completely recommend these programs. They have been life-changing and just really, really enrich your, your teaching practices. So we'll have all of those on, on the bio there. Awesome. Thanks, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> 